On this podcast, we often think about analytics and insights from big companies like Nestle, General Mills, and Ipsos. And so it can be tempting to think that you need a big team or a lot of money in order to do good research. I had the opportunity to be on the Student Built Startups podcast and talk about the five analytics and insights hacks for entrepreneurs. In other words, these are easy things that all of us can do, regardless of the size of company, to grow our businesses. I talk specifically about a couple of things, including customer advisory boards, marketing experimentation, and how to use the EDC framework in order to create a good learning plan. I will call out that this is an abbreviated interview, and you can listen to the entire interview on the Student Built Startups podcast, and you can get all of those details, including the five hacks at diggingforinsights.com slash 17. Whether you're an entrepreneur or the only person doing research at your company, I hope this episode will give you the specific tools and tricks you need to grow your business. This is Digging for Insights, the marketing research podcast for insights professionals and businesses looking to deeply understand their customers so they can grow. I'm Stephen Griffiths, a Fortune 500 corporate researcher. Join me as we talk with experts about inspiring case studies, career advice, and research methods that will lead to growth. Hey, Stephen. Happy to have you on the Student Built Startups podcast. Thanks for being here. I'll have you start off by sharing one crazy but true fact about yourself with the audience. Sure. So I lived outside the U.S. for 15 years in four countries. Wow. That is, uh, that's interesting. That's you probably had a lot of cool experiences. It was really cool. Yeah, the highlight was um, I did a two-year service mission in Ukraine and lived in Beijing for seven months as a student. And that was my favorite because it was immersed in the local language and culture and, and actually didn't speak a lot of English during those times. So that was especially fun. Yeah, I bet. I have some aspirations of my own to uh, go travel abroad a little bit and get some new experiences. I think it would be fun. Yeah, you learn a ton. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's jump into our uh, first bit of content here. Um, So I'll have you start off by sharing a little bit with the audience about your education and what career experience you have in analytics. For sure. So a long story here, I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) In terms of education, so I did my undergrad in um, international relations at Brigham Young University and just had a great opportunity there. I'd say whenever you're doing education, just knowing what your goals are is really important. And so for me, my undergrad, I wanted to get a broad set of experiences and um, international relations allowed me to do that, learning a foreign language, as well as Um, getting a little bit technical in terms of doing calculus for an economics courses that I was in. And so that was great. Then transitioned into full-time work. I I graduated in the recession, which is a horrible time to try to get a job. And so basically said, hey, I heard about this marketing research thing. It seems pretty cool. And so I printed out a uh, business card, Stephen Griffiths, market research analyst, even though I had virtually no experience (laughs) and proceeded to um, sort of shop around my credentials and my business card and resume to everyone in the area where I was living at the time and and ultimately ended up with a job with uh, Nielsen, which is a global marketing research firm. So I had a great time there um, consulting with companies, launching new products and doing forecasting and new product consulting for them, which is just great experience and did that for about three years, started to get frustrated with, I felt like I was giving you know good recommendations and often the recommendations weren't fulfilled. Um, and I was like, well, what's going on? Why, why don't they follow my recommendations? Right. I want to, I want to see what's actually happening inside these companies. And so I realized I wanted to go away from just sort of being a consultant to actually working in a company or client side research as it's called. And so I 
um, looked at some options and ended up getting into the University of Wisconsin-Madison. They have a marketing analytics and insights program as part of their MBA program. And so it's essentially a master's of marketing research um, combined with an MBA. And that was a, a fabulous um, opportunity. So did that full time for two years. And then finally interned at Procter & Gamble and then got a job at General Mills, where I work now. And I'm in the uh, Global Consumer Insights uh, function. And essentially, um, you know, we do marketing research. There's analytics within our function as well. And so it's had a chance to do with several different roles, ranging from um, doing analytics with snack bars like Nature Valley and Lara Bar and Fiber One Bar, all the way to doing innovation, very different types of work for convenience stores, where I helped launch the Pillsbury Stuffed Waffle at 7-Eleven, which is a really awesome experience. Oh. And and then um, currently work on Cheerios and doing a, do, developing new products and innovation pipeline for um, that iconic uh, brand. Yeah, that's really cool. Sounds like you have a really broad range of experience in a lot of different industries. And uh, I really like uh, the uh, story of you uh, started that made the business cards and put marketing research analyst. I think that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, it was a little scary at the time, but I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> What is uh, uh, the best way for someone that is interested in analytics and insights to learn about it? So, you know, I'm going to put a little plug selfishly, and that's exactly what I designed the podcast for, right, is trying to give greater awareness to the industry in general. So you go to diggingforinsights.com um, or just search Digging for Insights in any podcast player, and you can listen to the episodes. And I've tried to get a broad swath of, of people who are in the industry. So we've got, you know, leaders at Ipsos, um, at CEOs of marketing research firms, as well as, as directors of insights at client-side companies like Nestle. And so you get a chance to hear about some of the issues and, and what that industry looks like. And I'd say a, a real quick thing, I actually put together a, uh, a PDF on the six ways that marketing insights can lead to growth. And so it sort of gives an overview and each one of them has case examples, case studies um, about how insights and analytics can make a difference for a business. And so I think that's a really good way to start off with that and simply go to diggingforinsights.com and you can get your own free copy of that PDF. And that's a good way to, to start learning about the space. And I'd say there's sort of like five big um, hacks or ways that businesses can use insights and analytics to grow. The first take I'd say is along this line of customer advisory boards. Have you ever heard of that before? Like a cab customer advisory board? Um, you know, I've, I've heard of it. I'm not super familiar with it, but a little explanation would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you can Google this and find more detail as well. But essentially, every business needs an advisory board, right? I mean, that's standard tried and true practice. And the, the flip here is saying, hey, what if we took our most valuable customers or who we think will be our core customers and put them on an advisory board and so they can give us feedback. And so this is very common um, when you're trying to do like innovation, you'll have a group of maybe eight to 12 sort of target consumers that maybe every week when you're coming back with new iterations of your product or service, you can run it by this advisory board to get thoughts and, and feedback. Um, it can be used for your company overall. So you could treat them like a, a board of advisors, right? Like a, for any public company would have and saying, hey, here's a strategic choice I'm trying to make. You know, what do you think about this? What's been your experiences? And so it's a good way to sort of get live feedback. You know, obviously, like anything, it, it's qualitative feedback. So you want to pair that with lots of other things that you're thinking <laughs> about for making decisions. But it can be a really rich place to get insights for how to grow your business. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for explaining that a little bit. And I think involving customers and uh, giving you feedback on everything you're doing is a, a very important thing to do. 
I mean, I found it very helpful. So I've even started doing this for the podcast that I run for Digging for Insights. So I call it a listener advisory board. And so people who I, I think are going to listen to this podcast, and it's just been really helpful even so far. Um, so I had a friend who's a head of insights at a company who, you know, put together some thoughts of like, hey, this is what I like about your episodes. This is how you could change it, how you could be better. And, you know, I've done 10 episodes and there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought of that before and I'll have to do that. And so just little small things that you can find and learn about and it can be really valuable later on. Yeah, I could totally see how that would be beneficial. I might have to steal your idea there too. (laughs) Use the good ideas out there. Uh Well, cool. So that's that's sort of the first one hack I'd say is like get a customer or consumer advisory board for your business. Um, The second tip that I'd suggest is, you know, using data as much as you can to make your decisions. And the big take I'd say is using benchmarks. So, you know, I think this goes without saying, but if you're running a small business, it's easy to focus on just getting the business going and not keeping records so much. And I would really recommend folks just keeping a record of what you're doing, you know, whether it's your sales or if you're running a podcast, the download numbers, what are the metrics that you care about most? And then, you know, can be simple as an Excel, you drop in all the other metrics that you think are important. So it was interesting. I was talking to, um, uh, to someone who basically did their own sort of marketing analysis uh, for their business. And they literally had an Excel. And on one side, they had like every channel that they were selling their products in. And then they had sales by week in each of those channels. And then next to it, they put, you know, what kind of promotions they did in stores or you know, what kind of online promotions or advertising they might have done. And they map that by week. And so they, you know, it's super rudimentary. This isn't advanced analytics mm-hmm. here, but you're able to see, wow, you know, my sales doubled that week and I didn't do any advertising. I didn't do anything on Facebook, but I did do a promotion in store. Wow. That seems like it's making a big difference. Right. Yeah. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, you're looking at it and wow, you did a, a big promotion on your podcast and something else, but nothing happened in store. And you're like, Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> starting to notice that some stuff's driving my business and others is not. And you can obviously take that to a more advanced degree and run analytics once you have more data, but early on, just putting stuff in Excel and week by week and seeing what makes a difference and what doesn't, like that's a super easy way to just keep track of what's going on with your business. Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's something that I've learned from my experiences in the past as well. I can uh, attest. <laughs> At first, it seems like a lot of extra work, but boy, it pays off later on. And I'd say the other piece is like the reason why it's so important to keep those records is it's so critical to have benchmarks. So um, I used to work at a company that did sales forecasting. And uh, this is no secret, but the, the secret sauce for that company was they had internal benchmarks for lots of new products. And so, you know, if you get a survey back from a consumer and like, I'm making up numbers here, but 72% of consumers say they're going to buy your product. Like, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing about <laughs> itself, right? Like there's no way that 72 of the people are actually going to buy your product. It's all just claimed. But people overstate their interest in products pretty consistently over time. And so if you have a benchmark of saying, oh, but wait a minute, I launched one product that did horribly and that had a 60% people who said they were going to buy it. And I had another product that did great and that had a 71% of people that bought it wow, those benchmarks of things I've actually launched um, and then able to go back and look at what that claimed purchase intent was between those two products, that can give me confidence. Wow, my 72% doesn't mean anything by itself. But if I compare it to something that got 71% and did really well, that gives me confidence. Hey, maybe this can do pretty well too, right? And so if you don't keep track of what's actually happening with your products and past numbers and history and benchmarks, then it's really hard to interpret the numbers that you get. And that's just a really easy way to use a little bit of analytics, uh, smarter, 
as you're growing your business. Yeah, you did a fantastic job on explaining benchmarks. It was something that was a little little fuzzy in my head and kind of what the benefit is, but yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean, the one other thing I'd, I'd add on to that is just this idea of like, so that's rudimentary, get stuff in Excel and just like, are you seeing any differences? I'd say once you get to the next level, you could try something called linear regression. Um, and it sounds really scary at first, but basically <laughs> it's an analytic method. It's already built into Excel actually. So you don't even have to learn a new software program, but basically you could take your line of like, say weekly sales, and then you put different columns of all the other stuff you're trying to measure. So Facebook ads and in-store promotions and podcast episodes, launches and whatever else you have in your marketing mix to try to help the sales of your product. And you basically just highlight it all in Excel and then run something called a regression. And basically it just uses a little bit more rigorous analytics to say which of those variables, your Facebook advertising, your promotions um, actually drives more of your sales. And so that can be a really easy way to do it. If you're interested in learning more Coursera, you know, the online learning platform is really good. You can get for free. They even have a specific course called how to do regression in Excel. So it literally just steps you <laughs> step by step, walk you like what to select and how to select it and where to do it. So if that's, you know, later on when you want a little bit more advanced analytics, um, that's a super easy, scrappy way to do it. That's for free. Yeah. It's linear regression. It, it sounds kind of scary and kind of crazy, but in reality, it's, it's not that like outrageous for somebody that's uh, intermediate or beginner analytics, even just learning a little bit, you know, maybe putting in a half hour learning how to do it. It's something that can be picked up on pretty quickly. And once you get that down, um, the the principles behind linear regression is applied to a ton of other analysis. And so even just understanding conceptually what's going on there can really unlock the doors for lots of stuff later on. Yeah. So let's move on to your third analytics hack. Yes. So um, number three, it's around this idea of white space maps. Um, So, you know, this is classic marketing 101, right? Where you have the situation, you know, you're looking at your competitive landscape. Um, So let's imagine uh, your podcast, right? Student built Mm -hmm. startups. Um, There's probably a lot of other podcasts out there. I haven't researched the field. (laughs) There's probably those that, you know, help students, probably those that are for startups, probably those that are for entrepreneurs. And so you'd want to map that on a map, right? Of like, and I don't know what the dimensions would be, but maybe something along the lines of which ones are really focused on students and which Mm -hmm. ones are really focused on entrepreneurship. And then you'd map it out of like, hey, where where does my student build uh, startups um, go? And how does that compare to everything else on that white space map? So even if you don't do research, um, just trying to figure out how do you differentiate from your competitors is really big. And I'd say the other way to you, and so just mapping it out based on what you know is one way to do it, talking to people. Um, obviously, if you get more advanced, there's like lots of rigorous methods that will make a white space map for you. Um, that's what sort of a lot of advanced analytics can help you with that. And so big companies will pay um, a supplier or an agency to create those for them. But I'd say the other space that people don't think about, so that's sort of a product white space map. The other way you can think about it is marketing white space maps. And so this is like super fascinating. I was was talking to someone the other day and it was basically this person was coming into a market um, and they actually mapped out what are, where is everyone else spending their marketing dollars and where are people not spending their marketing dollars where our core audience still is. And so they found those areas where the um, audience was still there, but no one was really marketing during those moments or on those channels. 
And so then they went and marketed there and were able to get a lot of awareness really fast because they weren't trying to compete with the other three or four competitors that were all, you know, I forget what the details were, but like they were all on, uh, let's say they were all on TV. And so they said, hey, where maybe we're going to dominate Instagram or we're going to be on Facebook where our competitors aren't. And that's going to help us get um, some greater share of voice and get some awareness faster than we would otherwise. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I haven't heard of the concept of a white a white space map or marketing map uh, yet. I kind of would have expected to hear about that in school, but I really like the idea of mapping out kind of your competitive arena and what other, um, I guess, competitors or similar um, businesses or podcasts that are similar to yours. So you can kind of figure out where your target market is and where you fall within that. Um, I think that's a really great way to give yourself an advantage to differentiate yourself. Yeah, for sure. I'd say it's a, a very common marketing tactic. You can Google white space maps and see lots of examples that are out there if you're interested. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just really helpful to get outside of yourself and think, hey, what, you know, because ultimately when people are coming to buy a product or a service, they've got a lot of different options. And until you truly understand their vantage point for where they want to go and what the pros and cons are, it's really hard for you as a small business to know what steps to take. Yeah, that's honestly like this, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the value of, you know, uh, consumer insights, right? Our customer yeah. analytics is like, you're trying to understand the viewpoint of the decision maker and how to influence them. And ultimately you want to give them the best information that they can. And that's why, you know, consumer insights is used by a lot of different industries, right? I'm um, within uh, CPG or consumer goods, stuff you buy at a grocery store that uh, is called consumer insights, which is what I'm in right now. But there's a lot of very closely related fields in tech user experience is really big. So how do I make my app or my website from a consumer perspective, more user-friendly customer experience is really big. So you think of healthcare and retail and all these other areas, banking, even where you're mapping the customer when they first get to know your um, your product or service and mapping their journey all throughout. Like what other services did they get? Did they leave? Did they come back? Um, so that whole journey, you can map it out. So that's customer experience, which is very similar. And then obviously there's analytics where it's using that numbers to better understand what your business should do and better understand the needs and wants of the customers you're trying to serve. So all this is sort of one big bucket of like, how do we better understand our core customer or consumer? And then everything else flows from that. Yeah, I th I definitely agree that my perspective is you're especially a small business it just kind of is built upon understanding your consumer because if you don't understand your your consumer you won't be able to reach them so doing that is a very important thing to do i think totally agree um so let's move on to number four sure so experimentation mindset. So I'd say, you know, a lot of businesses have changed a lot with the lean startup. So I mean, it's a super fascinating book. I don't know if you've read it already, but essentially it's this idea, super fascinating story of someone who's a tech entrepreneur and he spent so long creating these, I think it was avatars, but anyway, these little digital people and animated things that were supposed to be really cool. I mean, months and months of programming to create these things mm -hmm. only to find out that no one cared about them. <laughs> his, his entire work for months and months was completely wasted because he thought people wanted these avatars when really there was no viable business there. And, and so basically uh, learned that you need to do iterative learning. So he comes into this idea of um, an MVP, so a minimum viable proposition, where essentially, hey, what is the very least amount of work I can do to still get learning? So for instance, in that case of, of an avatar um, that you thought, you know, companies would want, and I think it was going to be used in like 
IMs, you know, instant messaging, or that people would get their own avatar that they could like make look really cool or things like that. Um, you should have just like done something simple. So maybe a single screenshot of what an avatar might look like and create, you know, maybe four or five of them and then literally give a customer um, say, hey, you can do this instant message platforming and and here's your avatar. So I mean, literally spend like a couple hours, make a couple pictures and get some feedback from consumers rather than spend months and months and months and months and then get some testing and find out, holy cow, this uh, there's nothing here, right? Um, and so that's this whole idea of like, how do I do just enough to get some learning and then decide what to do? And then the big thing is, you know, do I pivot? Do I do something differently? Do I persevere? Uh, do I keep doing exactly what I'm doing? Or do I perish? Is this an idea that just like should be dead in the water and let's get rid of it fast? <laughs> and the, the more quickly that you can do those iterations of, you know, they would say like every couple of days, you do a quick experiment, you decide, should I keep going? Should I change? Should I kill it? And you just keep it iterating until you get to a better idea. And that's a much more sustainable way to, to build a new business. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is something that I definitely um, agree with being able to pivot essentially, because if you if you put in, you know, a little bit of uh, effort, like you said, just enough to be able to do some learning, you can get feedback and pivot based on that feedback. But if you don't, uh, if you put in hundreds of hours into something and getting something completely finished and then go look for feedback, if your feedback's negative, it's going to be a lot more difficult to pivot. And you made a really good point there. The one big thing that's kind of hitting me right now is just the idea of eliminating risk. I feel that this this idea helps you eliminate risk, especially in starting up a business or coming up with new products and ideas. Yeah, that's exactly right. De-risking is a, a huge part of that experimentation mindset that I think is really powerful. Yeah. Let's move on to your fifth hack. So I'd say this is the EDC framework, and it stands for exploratory, descriptive, and causal. And so if you look to, at outset, it's super basic, right? You go to any marketing research textbook, and you'll find the three main types of research methods, and that's exploratory research, descriptive research, and causal research. But when you think of it more deeply, the implications for what that means, how to run a small business are really quite profound. And so let me just quickly explain the terms so everyone understands. Yeah. So exploratory um, research, that's essentially where you're trying to understand in really easy, quick ways what's out there already. So let's let's choose a business problem. I don't know if there's a problem that you're dealing with one of your past businesses or with your podcast that you're trying to solve. Anything come to mind? Um, well, I'd say that one of my businesses that my stepdad and I are working on, Shogun Athletics, right now we're struggling a little bit with client retention. Um, long, long-term client retention. So like past six months. Gotcha. That makes sense. So good news, client retention is not a new phenomenon, right? (laughs) Lots of people have researched this topic and trying to figure out what's there. And so for exploratory research, you could Google, you know, client retention, you mm-hmm. could, um, you know, maybe you've got a couple friends who or other folks who've done um, run gyms or things like that, or athletic programs, and you could talk to them, hey, how have you retained your clients? So this is a super easy way, you're not investing a lot of time and energy, you're just getting a sense for what are the different things out there. And my guess is you would talk to some friends, do some Googling, you know, just research it a little bit. And you'd probably come back with like, hey, here's the five or eight things that people do to retain their their clients what's going to help the most. So that would be exploratory. You're trying to develop hypotheses for what could possibly help solve your business problem. Then you go into descriptive, which as you can imagine, you're trying to describe those different hypotheses. So maybe you came out with eight different ways to help improve client retention and you find a way to quantify that. So 
you know, potentially you could run a survey of like, hey, here's eight things we could do. Which ones are you more interested yeah. in um, for us doing? Or maybe you get a focus group and hey, like, what about this? Typically, descriptive research tries to be quantitative. So you want to ideally get enough people that you have an idea of what you're doing. And so like sending a hundred best friends or on Facebook, if you can get, you know, 50 people to reply, like that's at least a little bit better. Um, really good research would say you'd want to like get a representative sample of the entire uh, population you're trying to sample. Um, that might be hard without spending money for you. <laughs> um, but anything that I can say, Hey, of these eight ideas, maybe I'm hearing a lot back that these three people are really interested in and the other five, not so much. So that sort of helps you narrow down. So that's the second step is descriptive research. And the last bit is causal research. And this is basically running experiments. If I implement one of these things we've talked about, will it make a difference? And so maybe you have, you know, choose three of your clients and say, you know, hey, we're offering this new service. I have no idea what that is for client retention, right? Yeah. I don't know, like a, a loyalty card where you're, partner with Subway. I have no idea, right? <laughs> but like, hey, you're going to get the Subway card. And every time you come here, we're going to give you a check. And, you know, every month you're with us, you're going to get a free sub. Dumb idea, but hey, it's something that could be a possibility, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so that would be, and then you try it, right? And so you've got your group of clients that that have that way of um, helping retention, you hope, and you have their clients, their control group, they're same as normal, right? And then you compare after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, what makes the most difference, and then that will help you learn. So do you see how like, it's super important to start early on, super wide with exploratory research, get all the hypotheses you can, narrow it down with descriptive research, usually quantitatively figuring out which one of those hypotheses matter, and then going into causal research of let's do some experiments and try some of this to see if any fit actually helps solve problem. All right. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really enjoyed a lot of the things that you said. So thank you. And that concludes my interview with Cameron Stone. During that interview, we talked a lot about different ways to grow small businesses because that's what the podcast was about. On this podcast, I want to start off with five sort of thought starters for how some of these techniques and methods could improve your business regardless of the size. First, let's talk about customer advisory boards. Are there certain retailers that you need feedback on as you're selling in a new product? Perhaps you're trying to optimize your user experience or your shopping experience for your website. This is a great opportunity to recruit specific target customers or consumers and put them in an advisory board and get feedback from them for how to optimize your product and services. Second, let's talk about benchmarks. Every time you're writing a survey, are you proactively thinking about how your results will compare to previous benchmarks. And so trying to keep the questions consistent to make that possible. And regardless of what you're doing, whether it's a new campaign or launching a new product, are you keeping track of all those numbers so you can use those as benchmarks when you evaluate things in the future? Third, let's talk about white space maps. Do you have a white space positioning map that helps you clearly understand how your products and services compare to your close-in competitors? And do you have a different map, a marketing spend white space map, where you specifically think about how your marketing spend and activities compare to um, what your competitors are doing? Fourth, experimentation. It's fine to get some feedback directly from consumers and have some stated guidance, but as much as possible, we should be trying to get real-life examples and results. And so what are some easy ways to do marketing experiments to test out the hypotheses that you're making as you make decisions for your brand? And finally, fifth, the EDC framework. 
you know, as you're thinking about understanding what to do for your business, do you start off with exploratory research and then do descriptive research and then do causal research? Doing those things in order with exploratory, descriptive, and then causal allows you to narrow down the kind of questions you have so you can spend the hardest and the most difficult amount of research on the questions that matter most. As always, you can find the episode and show notes for this at diggingforinsights.com slash 17. Until next time, I'm wishing you the best as you dig for insights that will grow your career and your business.